So. Right, trying to keep it green. <laughs> this morning, if you turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter three, title this morning is just preach it, man. You heard the effects, and I want to draw your attention to this. What a wonderful segue. You heard the effects of two sets of parents who did exactly what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do, and that's to preach the word. It begins at home. It begins in that place where we have the most impact with our own children. And from there it should spread to the rest of the world. It is the thing that we as the body of Christ, should be utmost concerned about. You see, I can't save anybody. Jesus Christ can. The way that people will know who he is is by us sharing the word of God with people. It comes from that truth that's contained within the world through the word of God being preached by lives, by word, by deed, you know, as Jeremy was sharing, you know, it, it, it is so important that you grasp this truth. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You, you don't have to be in ministry, per se. But you can still preach it. You can preach it with your life. You can preach it with that $5 bill in a New Testament that you hand to somebody that's on a street corner. You, you can preach it with that meal that you purchase for that person who doesn't have any idea how they're going to feed their family. We, we preach it with the Lighter World Festival. We preach it with our food ministry. We preach it through our missionaries. You preach it in PTA. Did you realize that? that? That your life should be a living, breathing testimony to the Word of God being alive in this world. As you interact with people, wherever you are, wherever you've been called to, as I've shared with you before, there are people that each one of you can reach that I cannot. They'll find out in two seconds that I'm a pastor. They're out of here. They're gone. They don't want to talk to some fruity, nutcake pastor that's going to, you know, preach to them. But you're sitting there having lunch and, you see that guy that you know, and you know his marriage is falling apart. You have the opportunity to preach Christ crucified with the very substance of your life. This morning, as we turn our attention to the Word, to ask the Lord to speak to us. Father God, as we come, and Lord, we've been refreshed and filled. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that we've received this morning. And we want to pray now as we draw our attention to your word, that you would speak those truths into our lives, that they would become to us that daily bread, the living word, Lord, sharper than any two-edged sword that divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Lord, it encourages us to be bearers of your truth in this world that we live in. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us now. Encourage us by the power of your word, we pray. We ask these things in the blessed name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Verse 13 here in 2 Timothy 3. And I want to remind you again and draw your attention as we finish this book. This is Paul's last letter. These are his final words. These are the very last things that are recorded of the life of the Apostle Paul. And so as such, 
we can really draw our attention to the fact that they are of utmost importance. And so it begins in verse 13, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Certainly never been more true than it is today. I was home a little bit yesterday between all the things that we were doing, and I every once in a while just flipped through the, quote, Christian channels on DirecTV. I, I, I clicked on the Inspiration channel, which is about as inspired as gas taxes. And, and as I was watching this, it had this program called Camp Meeting on. And, and on that program, you could give up a $360 seed gift, and God would make you wealthy, and God would make you healthy, and God would bless you. Imposters will grow worse and worse and worse. And the shocking thing is, some people really believe that that's Christ. Some people really believe that that has some measure of truth. I can tell you it didn't come from here. We just finished with, in verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But your life may have some problems. You may likely get cancer. Your finances may fall apart. You may lose your home. doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It certainly does not mean that He's forsaken you. It means that this world is an evil place that's ruled by the God of this age and that this world is also not our home and that we're passing from this life to the next and in doing so we pass from this life to glory. But make no mistake, evil men, those who do not speak the truth, who do not preach the truth, who have no clue what God's word actually says, will become very popular in the last days. And it is so today. But he goes on in verse 14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. It's an interesting thing. If you know of Timothy's life, he was taught by his mother and his grandmother, the Scriptures. Those women invested in his life. And, And it is those things which we have learned and been assured of You see, it's one of the things that we attempt to do here in church is to teach so that you can learn and be assured of the truths of God's Word. And the interesting thing is, is the more truth you know, the easier it is for you to detect the lie. Amen? The more truth you know, the easier it is to spot the lie. As I've shared with you before, the way that they train people to discover counterfeit bills is by having them handle the real thing. They don't show them a bunch of counterfeits. They give them real $100 bills. And eventually even the touch of that paper and the, and the things that are contained within it, the ink and the printing, if you handle them and stare at them because you know what a real one is, you know what a false one is. You can tell instantaneously. And so it is with the truth of God's Word. The more truth you know, the easier it is for you to spot falsehood. And if you can spot falsehood, you can then not go that direction. And that from childhood, oh, family of God, if you're here this morning and you are a parent, you're a grandparent, you're a parent wannabe, 
from childhood, would you in Jesus' name teach your children God's Word? The fruit of it, you may not see initially. Matter of fact, your kids may turn away. But you have the promises of God. That when they get old, that they should not depart from that truth. That somehow that truth goes and does what God calls it to do and purposes it to do and wills to do. And that truth stands up on that day of falsehood when they've been involved in that relationship or two. Or they've been down that path of drug use or alcohol. Or or they've bought the world's lie that everything is about power and fame and fortune. When they've heard the voices of the world, in the back of their heart, the back of their mind, will be the still small voice of God if you teach them the truth. Teach them the truth from childhood. For you have known the Holy Scriptures, the inspired word, the sacred letters is a literal translation and rendering. The things that God purposed to put in His word that we should know as truth. Notice what it says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That the principal reason for the study of God's word and the understanding of God's word is to bring people first and foremost to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's job one with the word of God. That's why we reference the scarlet thread of redemption that's woven from Genesis to Revelation. It's God crying out to mankind, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be near you. I want you near me. But we can't do that unless we deal with the problem of sin. Unless we're willing to recognize that we have a problem. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as we ponder the truths of the Lord, and we become God's children, we begin to hunger for the things of God. As we were encouraged in worship, let that be a cry of your heart. We're not mouthing words. We're crying out to the eternal God who's loved us with an everlasting love. We were seen as His beloved before the foundations of the world were even laid. As God cries out to us and He says, Come all you who are heavy laden. You're laboring. The world's messing with your head. And I will give you rest. He he wants to give us that relationship that is solid, it's foundational. But in order to know what that looks like, we need to know His Word. Otherwise, you're like those people who sit there in their living room watching some idiot on television, some heretic on television. Some white guy that can't dance on television. (laughs) It's nothing but a show. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. It has nothing to do with the truth of God. And can I say to you that that's not the only place that you can find falsehood? 
You can find it in people who claim to know the Lord but aren't walking with the Lord because they don't know what the Word says. And so when their friends come and their marriage is on the rocks and they're having problems, oh man, you know, if I was married to him or I was married to her, I'd divorce him too. To even mouth those words is to deny, to deny the plain teaching of Scripture. For God hates divorce. It destroys lives. Destroys families, extended family. It's never a good thing. To know how much God values life. How much He loves children. You see, you find these things in God's Word. First, we must become His children in order to really lay hold of those truths. And notice verse 16. For all Scripture. How much Scripture? All Scripture. When we talk about understanding the full counsel of God's Word, this is what we're referencing. All Scripture. You see, it's really wonderful to understand that we're saved by grace and through faith. Amen? It is a gift of God. It's not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We all love that. How about the verse that we just finished with last week? All who are desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You like that one? All Scripture. All Scripture. A Christian whose Bible is not well worn is a Christian who ought to be warned. A Christian whose Bible is not well worn is a Christian who should be warned. Because it becomes very easy to play Ouija board with this. I can find you a proof text for almost anything. I used to do a little exercise at the Bible college. I would ask people to put together their own cult. That was one of my exercises. I want you to come up with your own cult. The only book you can use is your Bible. You cannot believe the proof texts that are in here. I had, especially the guys, well, my cult, I have 65 wives. And they have to do exactly what I say all the time. There's verses in here to talk about that. But they're out of context. They're not the truths of God's Word. They're simply statements that are made. Or us guys, go out and slay your enemies. Break their teeth out of their mouth. Crush their bones into dust. <laughs> Says it. But you've got to take it out of context. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Who wrote the Bible? Holy Spirit wasn't written by men. Inspired by God. Men did the physical act of thinking and writing, but it was really written by God. It's God's Word. It's not man's Word. Men were inspired by God to write what they wrote. The words contained in your Bible are not the words of man. In that sense. That is why it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Notice that a man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
You see, the only way to defeat the lies of the enemy is to know the truths of God. You cannot defeat the lies of the enemy if you don't know the truths of God. It's that simple. I know so many Christians who walk around defeated because they will not take up the weapon they have. I shared with the guys on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, I can't believe how many Bibles people own that you can hardly open them. It's like they get, you know, they go to John 3.16 and that's it. They're not equipped. I pray that's what we're doing this morning. We need to have a hunger for this. This is the bread of life. It's what we need for these three things. For doctrine, reproof, and correction. For instruction in righteousness. In other words, it tells us what to do, how to do it, what not to do, what to stay away from, and it, the result of that is, is that we're equipped for what God's called us to do. I will not be equipped for what God's called me to do in this life unless I know His Word. And family of God, I want you to be hungry for God's Word. I don't want you to be hungry for church. Though I say to you, what a wonderful thing that we can gather together and we worship the Lord and we study His Word. I want you to be hungry for the things of God. You shouldn't be able to get up without hearing from God. Because you're going to hear from the world. Amen? The world's going to be yelling at you every day. Do this, do that, buy this, buy that, go here, go there. The only way you know what voice to listen to is by knowing the Word of God. You go, well, I don't know whether I should buy this house. I don't know whether I should do this or do that or take this career up. Family of God, the Word of God describes those things to us. And I shared with you um, a couple of months ago a simple way to discern those things. A simple acronym, CAB. Call a CAB. Is it commanded by God? C. Is it allowable by God's Word? The A. B. Is it God's best? If you will look at the Word of God and seek to find if it's commanded... You know, when somebody comes to me, well, I love my boyfriend and I think we're supposed to be together and so we're living together in sin. And I look at them and I say, that is not God's will for your life. I don't care how committed your relationship is. You are destroying your life. You know why I know that? Because my Bible commands that you not be engaged in fornication. So if it's commanded, you need to do it. It ends a lot of discussions if you really love Jesus. Is it allowable? Is it something that maybe it's a liberty? One I like to use there is I can't pull you a proof text out that says you can't have a glass of wine with dinner. It's allowable. But the last one is at best. I can tell you emphatically, it's not the best thing for you. Because it leads to roads that you don't want to go down. So it's not that tough. But we need to know His Word. If we don't know what His Word says, then we stumble around trying to figure out these things on our own. God wants us to know what He wants of us. That's why Colossians chapter 3, there, verse 16 says, And let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom 
and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace unto the Lord Jesus. You see, the Word of God should be dwelling in us richly. It means abundantly. It means overflowingly. It means the Word of God becomes such a huge part of your life that you speak in scriptural sentences. I'm going to give you a little test. Just keep track of your conversations over the next week and see how many passages of Scripture you use in common everyday speech. For some of you, you're going to be going, wow, I speak Bible. (laughs) And for some of you, you're going to be going, wow, I don't even think I used a single Scripture all week long. Family of God, if the Word of God is dwelling in you richly, if we're taking in what we need for good doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, then it ought to be a part of your everyday life. And I pray it is. And I know with many of you it is. Because it's truth. When someone comes to you and you you speak to them in Scripture... You, you, you realize that the end of all conversations is this, thus says the Lord. Now, I do not want anyone in this church coming to church and sitting out in the lobby, thus says the Lord, brother, sister. But in a large degree, it's true, isn't it? If I can point someone to a proof text in context in Scripture... The conversation's over, is it not? Your children come to you, should I live with my boyfriend? No. Thus says the Lord. Should I divorce my wife? No. Thus says the Lord. Should I steal from my employer because he's a jerk? No. Thus says the Lord. Should I cheat on my taxes? No, thus says the Lord. You see, it becomes very simple to answer a vast majority of life's questions when you know your Bible. You're not walking around going, well, I just don't know. You can say, thus says the Lord. Now, you may not like what God has to say. Can I tell you? I've shared with you. There are some scriptures I don't like. I, there, there are times when I just know, oh, Lord, I think I'd like to break their teeth out of their mouth. <laughs> that would be really good. You know about the 15th time someone comes into my office? That's enough. And then I think back on Matthew 18, I go, oh, I hate that passage. You mean I have to forgive them? Yeah, I've got to forgive them again. Now I've got to try and restore them. And in fact, Galatians 6.1 says, you who are spiritual, restore oh, Restore them? I'd like to reject him if I could. That would be good. (laughs) But you see, when I know God's Word, then all of a sudden, it's me who gets changed. And when I'm changed and transformed and my mind's renewed, then I can help other people find that truth. But I need to know God's Word. I need to preach it. I need to preach the truth with my life. You know, there's a lot of people that fall into the category... Well, you know, now that I'm older, I really don't need to study as much as I used to. Oh, in Jesus' name, (laughs) repent of your foul language. I have learned that as I've gotten older, I need the Word of God more than I used to need it. 
You know why that is? Because it becomes more critical as the day draws near. That I'd be a bearer of the truth. My sons are asking questions I never thought I would have to have an answer for. I need to know what God's Word says. People come to me, and, and, and we've met multiple times, and all of a sudden we're down to the nitty-gritty details of life. I need to know what God's Word says. And as a pastor, I need God's Word daily in my life. Now, one could say, well, you know, you've spent... How many times have you been through the Bible? I don't know how many times I've been through the Bible. I don't know how many times I've taught every passage in the entire Bible. I have taught every passage in the entire Bible multiple times. But I can tell you this, every time I study, I see something new. Every time I see something new. Never fails. I want to remind you too that Satan knows his Bible very, very, very well. So it can prove to you that you can spend time in God's Word for that wrong reason. Are you really seeking to hear from God? Or are you seeking to find something with which you can beat the spiritual tar out of someone else? I know people that do that. They're going through their concordance and they're back there in their topical index. See, it says right here, Submit, woman! I kind of forgot the part about in husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. In Jesus. <laughs> I call it Bible battling. But he pulls out their proof text. Satan can do that. And he does. He uses it to bring condemnation and fear and doubt. Remember what he did to Adam and Eve? Hath God surely said? Causing the doubt of the goodness of God and the Word of God? He's still doing that. We need to be very careful. Satan knows his Bible. Timothy, the example here, was raised on the Scriptures. And so consequently, he knew his Bible. Uh, he wasn't walking around as we have it, but he certainly had the Old Testament. He may have had one or two of Paul's letters. We don't know. But I know this. Anything that you find in the New Testament was revealed in the Old Testament to some degree. Salvation by grace is an Old Testament thing. Taught very clearly in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it was it was from the very beginnings of the book of Genesis. Did Adam and Eve take care of their own sin? No, they did not. God said, I will make myself a sacrifice. You see, grace began in Genesis. And so it says here in verse 16, let's focus in on this one as we begin to wind up this morning. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Another way of looking at that is that God authored it, 
And as he imparted those truths to people, they simply wrote down what God told them to say. It's inspired by God. The words may have been penned by the Apostle Paul. They may have been penned by James or John. Maybe Moses actually put them pen to paper. But God did the writing. That's why they're timeless. That's why they're truth. That's why they're non-negotiable. That's why when we look at our world and we see things like we have going on today, this last week, the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, ordained its first homosexual pastor. Now, I happen to know that a vast majority of people who attend Presbyterian churches love the Lord. But I can tell you this. My Bible calls that sin an abomination. It's not to say that people caught in that sin have no hope. They do have hope, and their only hope is Christ. Just like the only hope for a fornicator is Christ Jesus as Lord. And the only hope for a drug addict is Christ Jesus as Lord. And the only hope for an alcoholic is Christ Jesus as Lord. But the moment you stop saying that God's Word says thus and so, and you make it say what you want it to say, you have just led people in falsehood and damned them to believe something that is not true. That's why this is so important. Does God love those who are caught in sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have no right to change what His Word says because He wrote it. He makes the rules. We follow them. It's not up to us to determine what Scripture is supposed to say. He said it already. He made it very clear. You ever wondered why those long lists of sin exist in especially the New Testament? They're also in the Old. They're just not put together in quite so lengthy a list. You know why they're there? It's because God is trying to remind us that He is holy. The standards are high. That you can't pick and choose just uh, the things that you think ought to be acceptable. We're to live lives that are like His Word God breathed, God inspired. And so these four components that the Word of God is profitable And the word profitable means to bring its full value. When you look at that script, what scripture is, it's to bring its full value to you. It brings correct doctrine. In other words, the content, the actual things that we are taught, the substance, if you will, of our lives as described in scripture. It's profitable for that. It brings the fullness of that to your life making decisions, making sure that you're thinking correctly about most subjects that you might possibly come across in your life. My doctrine includes how I view marriage, 
My doctrine includes how I rear children. My doctrine includes my place in the political realm of this earth. My doctrine includes how I would take liberties or not in this world. My doctrine includes what I should do with most things that we would call choices about life. Scripture speaks to all of them. The question is, will we study it? Will we know it? And will we allow our lives to be changed and transformed by the truth of God's word? Or will we make up our own truth? The world today is making up its own truth. That's what the world's doing. That's why we've been fighting now for years the issue of gay marriage in this state. Because God's word is clear. There should not be a single person who names the name of Christ, who has been saved by grace, who is for gay marriage. You know why I say that? The same reason I would tell you there shouldn't be a single person who names the name of Christ, who is saved by grace, that's for alcohol abuse. There should not be a single person who names the name of Christ, who's been saved by grace, who is for divorce. God's word's clear. It says exactly what we need to think about those subjects. The question is, will we act on the truth? Will our doctrine come from our Bibles, or will our, will our doctrine come from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? Will our doctrine come from political correctness? Will our doctrine come from a desire to be non-confrontational and all-inclusive? Or will our doctrine come from what Scripture plainly declares? You see, these things are very simple. They are not complex. And when someone says, well, it's very complex. No, it's not very complex. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. There is truth and there is a lie. And when Scripture commands or speaks to any issue with authority, that is what God thinks. For your doctrine. For reproof. Interesting. That means rebuking of sin. You see, if you know your Bibles, you're able to call sin what it is. You you don't have any choice. I'm stunned at how many parents are willing to let their kids be unrebuked. I'm not saying do that unlovingly. Scripture does not paint that picture. But the truth is the truth. We, We need to be willing to stand for the truth. We need to tell them the truth. No, it's not okay. And that relationship will destroy any potential that you have for marriage to be as God intends it to be. It's not harmless fun. It isn't, oh, well, everybody's doing it. It isn't, I don't want to be left out. It's in Jesus' name, please don't. Because God's Word declares it.
And is there grace for the hearer? Oh, of course. Is there repentance that brings forth healing? Yes. But how many of us, if we could go back and relive our lives, would say, oh, that I had never done those things in the first place. But nobody told me. Nobody was willing to stand for the truth. And when I was engaged in those things, and when it was so simple to make a a slight course adjustment, no one loved me enough to rebuke me. And I'm not encouraging you to go around trying to, you know, get out your sin o meter and go around and <laughs> Wow, you're really off the scale. But I am encouraging you when you know the truth and someone's not walking in the truth, tell them they're not walking in the truth. If you love them, you'll tell them they're not walking in the truth. Will you love them in their sin? Yes, you must love them, even in their sin. But you've got to tell them the truth. The third thing, correction. You know what that is? That's helping to straighten out people's error. You see, it's one thing to tell them that they're walking in sin. Help them fix it. You see, that's the hard part. Correction implies that you walk with that person as they're going through that dark time. Correction says you don't abandon them so that the enemy can boot kick them through the goalpost of life. Correction means that you're willing to stay with them while they're being corrected. It's correction. It's not just a correcting. Big difference. It's being willing to walk with them while they're Suffering the consequences of their sin. It's, it's being there when they, they make that phone call in the middle of the night, and I, I can't believe I, I went out and got drunk again. It's not, well, I told you, you idiot. It's all, man. Now do you know why God's Word says what it says? You see, you can, you can call him an idiot nicely. You really can. In the love of Jesus, to some degree. You, you can look them in the eye and go, you know what? That's why I told you those things. I didn't tell you to condemn you. The world through sin was already condemned. You just bought into the world system. I'm here to help. But me helping you means you must forsake your sin. That's correction. Because the road that you're on is the road that leads to destruction and death. It's not fun. Well, it seems like fun. It's even marked fun. There's a big sign over it, and the devil's up there laughing. <laughs> it says fun. It says, this will be awesome. That's why Scripture declares that there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Oh, it seems like it's going to be the answer. Tell them the truth. And instruction in righteousness. And the result of it is that the man of God be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the result of knowing your Bible and the result of speaking the truth in love, the result of walking the extra mile with people who are caught in all manner of difficulty, 
is that you both grow. That you're equipped. The word that's translated here, equipped, is actually is actually furnished. It could also be outfitted. It's as if you were given a $75,000 Bass Pro gift card. <laughs> and you go to Bass Pro shops and there it is, the Holy of Holy of Boats. And you get your fishing boat. And not only do you get your fishing boat, but you get your tackle box and your tackle and your poles and your line. And you get the, the fish finder that actually, it, well, it, it darts them. And, and they have little lights on them so you can just net them. You see, thoroughly equipped. You're not going to go out in an inner tube with a bamboo pole with two worms and a sinker, Okay. You're going out in style. You're going to throttle up that 400 horsepower motor and... And then all of a sudden your fish finder goes off. Fish. And you pull over and, and your auto selector from your tackle box pulls out exactly the right lure. And if you're like me, you can't see anyway, so it ties it for you. You throw it out there. The fish bites on it. Gets over to the edge of the boat and jumps in the boat. It's so convinced you have superiority. The man of God is thoroughly equipped. You're ready to go out on the expedition into the mission field. You're ready for what God wants to do with you when you are equipped with the truth of God. And as you're equipped with the truth of God, it doesn't matter that the storm blows. It doesn't matter that the water's cloudy. It doesn't matter whether you're fishing for bass or trout. It doesn't matter if you're offshore or inshore. You're thoroughly equipped. You're ready for what the world throws at you. You know exactly what to do. And you're able to do it. That's what the Word of God is for us, folks. And I pray that we cling to it. And we hear the voice of God. And when He speaks, we speak what He speaks. That's all we do. We preach it. We just preach it. We're just messengers. You are messengers of the truth. In the Old Testament times, really in the New as well, a herald. That was a person who was a messenger. He was obligated to speak only the words spoken to him. To do anything else was to bring death. And so to preach simply means to take that which you have received and repeat it. And if we do that, we change the world for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come and deposit ourselves at your gracious throne again and Lord we're so thankful this morning for the work that you're doing in our lives by the power of your word and Father God I want to pray for those this morning maybe they're struggling God maybe there's some issue in their life to where they have known the truth and have not done it I want to pray God for your grace to be poured out upon them that they'd receive that truth gladly 
And Lord, begin to, to dwell and walk in that place that is that place of grace. And Father God, we commit our lives to you for your plans and for your purposes. Lord, we know you have divine appointments for us this week, and we pray that you would bless us in that endeavor, Lord. Cause us to minister to those that we come in contact with. We pray that you'd set us free from the bondage of sin. We pray that you'd be near to the brokenhearted. Lord, the downcast would receive a touch from you this morning. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for your word and pray that you would bless us. We ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Just stand. Let's worship the Lord.